Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Craig Robinson today. And today's going to be an amazing conversation. Let me tell you, you are going to learn how to live a life of purpose and how to use real estate and how to use innovative thinking and abundance thinking and good vibes to create the life of your dreams, you know, whether it's through real estate or whether it's through whatever vehicle that you choose. Also about learning how to be a phenomenal leader. So today is going to be a phenomenal day. Let me just tell you, buckle up and get ready because it's it's a phenomenal episode. I'm just telling you that right now. And I want to welcome you back because it's time to take it to another level. I have no doubt we're going to do that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. Of course, you know this, but it's our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. We will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from an individual like Craig Robinson so that you can elevate to a life without limits, so that you can give the tools, the strategies, the mindset, and all these things to other people so that they can have a greater future, so that they can elevate to a life without limits. So if you are enjoying Elevate, we invite you to follow us, to subscribe to the show, to give us a rating and a review. It is very helpful for us, but it's also helpful for other people when they see reviews that they can appreciate and that they can align with because people are trying to figure out, you know, what's next for them, what's next for their future. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to give people the opportunity and the inspiration, the tools, the mindset, the strategies so that they can live the greatest life that they can live. Because it's not about living a life that you tolerate. It's about living a life that you're fulfilled by. And that comes through using, you know, your talents and your skills and uncovering those to the greatest of your capacity. That's what Elevate's all about. And uh, so your ratings and reviews and subscribing and following the show is helpful from that standpoint, because it helps other people understand what this is all about. And so we're not stopping anytime soon. The fee for you to be here, it's 100% free. But the only thing that we ask is that you pay it forward and share this with one friend. If you've already done so on a previous podcast, we thank you for that. And we just ask that you do that one more time today. So uh, go ahead and grab that link and shoot that over to somebody or post it on your social media, what have you, and let someone else know what you really care about this episode, about this podcast, what this is doing for you. I want to encourage you also if you are feeling a little bit stuck in a rut, if you're feeling like, you know what, there, maybe there's a little bit more for me, maybe I don't have much time on my hands, maybe I'm feeling a little bit pressured by money or, you know, by my business, and I don't really feel like I'm making the progress that I want, we invite you to go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com. Uh, that's Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. We will show you the way, we will show you the path on how to make a massive transformation within eight weeks time. And I'm telling you, we've done it. We will do it again. We'd love to allow the opportunity for you to experience that type of transformation as well. So go to elevatecoachingacademy.com. Again, that's elevatecoachingacademy.com. We've got a free workshop there where you can learn all about the program, but you will also, by the way, you will get tons and massive quantities of value just by watching that workshop, by watching that masterclass. And uh, we invite you to go check that out. With all that said, I want to dive in and introduce you to Craig Robinson, who is an experienced chief executive, a division president, and a board director for global commercial real estate, outsourcing, and tech-enabled service companies. Craig has led business units within both large global public companies and private mid-cap growth businesses. He most recently built and led, powered by WE, a hyper-growth business unit at WeWork, providing technology development and management services to real estate owners and tenants. Previously, he was the CEO of Global Corporate Services at Newmark Knight Frank, which is a publicly traded entity company there, where he led all sales operations and platform investments for their corporate real estate outsourcing business. 
for, uh, excuse me, prior to Newmark, he was a president of Collier's International Group in the U.S. region where he was responsible for $1 billion in annual revenue, 5,600 real estate professionals, and 150 offices. He also led the successful acquisition and integration of eight regional and national real estate companies at Collier's, representing more than $120 million in incremental revenue. Over the course of his career, he has also held various executive and senior management positions at Cassidy Turley, which is now Cushman and Wakefield, CBRE, and AIG Investments. Craig serves on the corporate boards of Roofstock, a leading residential real estate investment marketplace, and Philo, a regulatory compliance and data marketplace technology company. He's also served on the board and executive committee of Cassidy Turley, which sold to a private equity buyer in 2015 and was a member of the global executive teams at Collier's and Newmark during their IPO. So let me just tell you, this, this is a very, very accomplished individual. And these are household names in the commercial real estate space. So let me continue here. Craig earned his MBA from Harvard Business School, by the way, ever heard of it, and his BS from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. He is a board trustee at the Harvard Club of New York and a board member of the NYU Institute of Real Estate and the HBS Club of New York. He also serves on the advisory boards for State Book International, PPM, Blue Sky, uh, Sky IBE and CRE Tech. He is also a member of the Executive Leadership Council, the Real Estate Executive Council, and recently completed a three-year term on the board of Coronet Global, a corporate real estate professional association with over 10,000 members worldwide. He was named one of the Urban Land Institute's inaugural top 40 under 40, Coronet Global Institute's, uh, I'm sorry, Industries Luminary, and Savoy Magazine's top 100 most influential blacks in corporate America. So, with that said, I just want to invite you to, to learn and really drink this conversation with the amazing, the truly amazing Craig Robinson. Craig, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Good. Good to be here. It's fantastic to have you. And uh, man, I really enjoyed our first conversation together. I appreciate your good vibes. I appreciate how you're showing up with presence. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And while we kind of dive in here, you know, tell me a little bit more about yourself behind the bio or... How like how are your closest friends or family members? How would they describe Craig Robinson? Well, first and foremost, I think we should challenge everyone to shoot with good vibes, good energy. Like that, that should just be, like you know, standard operating procedures. I That's think. a given, no doubt. I agree. Um, my bio. Who am I? You know, like that's the interesting thing. Bios are written in like these like very perfect, you know, uh, very linear, very predictable almost as if it was inevitable, but I mean, like, let's just be real. Like, we know that's not the truth, right? Like, it's it's a series of, like, you know, good fortune, some, like, interventions, like, grace, um, and I think I'm the beneficiary of all of the above, right? I, statistically speaking, I am not supposed to be sitting here on this show with you, and, and, and like, I'm, I'm really humbled by that, but again, like, we, we, those aren't the stories we tell in our bios, right? Um, you know, look, I, I've been in the commercial real estate space for, you know, almost the past 20 years. And, um, I, I, I didn't even grow up knowing there was a such thing called commercial real estate. I didn't, I didn't have anybody in my life who, who did that. I, I didn't even grow up in a really nice neighborhood where I was around nice buildings. I mean, and in fact, the, the way I, I originally got interested in, in the industry was, you know, having grown up in a pretty rough part of Atlanta. Um, I always just kind of found myself thinking, like, how can we turn around these neighborhoods and, like, you know, transform, you know, the way some of these spaces felt. And and I and I over time realized real estate had a role to play in that. And uh, I, you know, graduated from college, I was doing technology consulting, but I realized I think I really want to do this. So I went back to B school and, and transitioned into real estate. And you know, geez, that was like almost 20 years ago. Um, I, I think my experience. In real estate has been one that has kind of paralleled, you know, two things. One, I'm a Gen Xer. And so I have this like interesting place, which I'm nestled in between two more important generations. Like everyone cares about the boomers and everyone cares about the millennials. No one ever talks about the Xers. Um, and so I, you know, kind of growing up seeing and living in this analog world that was largely led by the boomers. Um, and then having kind of millennials come and transform and change that and like bring digital kind of thinking to everything and digital consumption to everything. And, 
and, and, and so being in an industry that has, it, it is now kind of traversing from the old, the analog, the institutions of old, um, where I grew up, where I learned, where I studied, to now being a player and a participant in this one that's largely, you know, informed by this next generation who think about the world differently, who experience it differently, whose expectations and their kids, you know, the natives. Uh, and, and, so, um, and, and so that's been really, really exciting. Um, you know, uh, the past 10 years have been cool. I've had a chance to run a few businesses that were growth businesses. Um, the first few were, again, in that analog world, was a division CEO, president in a few service companies. Um, and then most recently was with WeWork, where I was running a division for them that was uh, really transforming the way we think about space. And now I get to, you know, work with founder CEOs as a board member and an advisor uh, and a prop tech investor. I mean, there's so much good stuff there. And I'm first of all, I'm really glad that you let off with, hey, good vibe should be the standard operating procedure. And, you know, it's it's really refreshing because sometimes, especially in the commercial real estate world, it's like, forget about the good vibes. Like, let's get the deal done and let's maximize revenue and let's do all this stuff. And let's think about, you know, how are we going to beat out our competition? How are we going to sharpen our elbows and just crush everybody around us? Yeah. You know, I think you kind of started off with like an abundance mentality and that you can win. You can also create more for other people and envision yeah you know, innovation while starting off with good vibes. And I love that you shared also just the the path and the trajectory that you've taken. It's like, you know, it sounds like this perfectly crafted thing that you just had this grand vision of, but I'm sure you've kind of stumbled your way through in some ways. Would you agree to that? Oh, it, wow. It, not only have I stumbled, I mean, it is like, a, I mean, an act of God that I am here. <laughs> right. I, I'm grateful. But, but in some ways, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's been kind of, you know, three ways of thinking and, and you and I are both kind of, you know, kind of abundant thinkers, right? Like, you know, instead of operating from a place of scarcity where I got to figure out how to get mine and, and, and how to promote me and promote, you know, kind of my interest, um, moving to this kind of mindset of like, how can we expand opportunities? How can we democratize them? And if I do that, you know, I'll benefit as well, right? And and that, that way of thinking has been interesting, but I, I think about the game of real estate and earlier on it was like, how do we get in the game? And like, we, we came out of school, we were trying to get gigs and we were trying to find a way to just like get a great role in a great company. And it's like, how do we get in the game? And then, you know, we had mentors and people who, who helped us kind of survive the game. And, 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 and if we were kind of good at it, we we're like, I want to be a real player. I want to win the game. Right. And like winning yes. was like very superficial. It was like, I want to be successful. I want to accumulate things. I want to, you know, maybe people, I want to have a building that, you know, that I can say I, I built that thing or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but there's a real limited way of thinking about success. But I now think that we're now in this season of changing the game. Right. Ooh. Like I wanted to get in the game. I wanted to be a real player. I wanted to win the game. Now the key in question is like, how do we change the game, right? And um, that was one of the cool things about just, you know, being at WeWork and just being, you know, in, in the industry when technology was transforming and effectively changing the game. And, and to me, that um, should be inspirational for people who are thinking about getting into the industry, who are thinking about, you know, what to do with their careers and their professions is like, no, let's not go back and try to, you know, study and play the old game, figure out how you can in your own way, either small or big, change the game or create a new game, a new lane. Like that is, that is, I think the world post COVID, post Corona is everything that we've taken as gospel and we've accepted is just the way it has to be to me is now a variable. It is no longer the constant. So, you know, the call to action um, is to figure out how to either change the game or create your own new game. See, that's what I really love about learning more about your story is that you are willing to challenge those assumptions. You're willing to be innovative because, you know, like just, just your participation and your leadership within WeWork is a prime example of that because things are constantly changing. The only constant is change, right? It's just a matter of how are you setting your sales? And I just think it's real, man, I just wanted to re-highlight what you just said, because 
the seasons, you know, some of the people may be listening, maybe saying, how can I get in this game? And some people may be saying, how can I dominate? How can I win this game? And what you just did was you just blasted through that because not only can we change it or we can create a new game. And the one thing that came to my mind that was really fascinating. So you think about like competition. I feel like you and I are like, we, we both have probably a healthy competition. We like to win. We like to get better. Maybe we have a competition with ourselves in many yeah, ways. Yeah. Maybe we create competition for our people. And at the same time, it's like, we don't want this maybe trophy for everyone. It's not trophy for effort, but it's, hey, guess what? We can all win and we can create a new game where we all win. Does that resonate with you? hundred percent. I, I do think there, there are, you know, two sides to this coin, right? Um, you know, one side of the coin is a, a force that is the push, right? And, you know, the push, which is like, I want to compete. I want to win. I want to even if it's, you know, I want to win by changing the game, um, that's fine. But but sometimes the push comes from, you know, deep down not feeling you're good enough or not uh, feeling adequate or, you know, having the wrong motivations be behind why, why you're channeling the, the effort the way you are. And, I, and I'm now, you know, in, you know, after four decades of, you know, kind of bumping along here, you know, realizing that I want to move from kind of the push motivation to the pull motivation. The pull motivation is um, I, I, I want to be drawn to something. I want to be inspired to do something. I, I, I want to, you know, organize my life around kind of purpose and impact, um, which is a really different thing than kind of the push, which is like, you know, um, I'm running from something. I want to be running to something. And the running to something is you know, again, going back to our abundance mindset, like abundance is thinking about like, I want to matter. I want to have impact. I want to have purpose and not, I, I, I want to, you know, kind of be validated and be good enough. Um, I really want to have purpose and impact. And to me, that's a different fuel source. Um, it's a different motivation. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, you, you can't do and build with the other one, but I'm, I'm just finding that in this season of life, um, the things that matter to me are making sure that the, the why I do something is centered on meaning, purpose, um, and, and authenticity. And, you know, that really resonates with me because, you know, first of all, it just feels right. It feels in alignment with my gut or my intuition or my heart. And what you're saying really resonates with me. And perhaps it's resonating with a lot of the listeners right now, because if you think about it, there is a total difference in the lifestyle or the decisions that you make when you're being pulled towards something that you're inspired by rather than pushed away. Maybe it's subconscious, but maybe that feeling of, hey, I'm not good enough or, you know, I, I'm not worthy of being in this environment or of this success and I know that, you know, it's almost like, I don't know if you've heard the concept, the second mountain. It seems like you're on that second mountain where you're now being consumed by purpose rather than consuming yourself with, you know, the, I guess, the strappings of success. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I, I can't tell you how, how many wildly successful in, in kind of the ways we've traditionally measured it, um, you know, uh, people that I've had the privilege of working with or for or, or around or just reading about them and, and understanding that, you know, that, that many of them are still very insecure and, 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 and there's this kind of insatiable need for, for validation and proof. Um, you know, I think we've even seen leadership at, a, at the highest levels in our country of just, um, you know, people who constantly are trying to fill an empty vessel Whereas, you know, you know, you come across someone who's led and they're inspired, you know, by a different fuel source and it's, and it's so much more, um, you know, inspirational. And, and I think many reasons why I years ago, you know, kind of left a traditional role in commercial real estate. I was a division CEO at a global real estate services company and I left and went to WeWork. And part of what drew me was this idea that the company was saying, hey, we have um, we want to humanize work. We want to democratize space. We want to do things that ultimately go beyond just providing, you know, a cube and a space, but we want to have people be inspired um, to, to do great things. You know, we want to encourage entrepreneurs. And there was something about the, the mission of the company that really resonated with me. And, and we can talk all day about the ups and the downs, what went right and what went wrong. There's so much to be learned. Um, but I choose to kind of go back and say, what were the things that were really good about what we, 
what we did at WeWork in, in many cases, what you're still doing is, um, you know, having a company that was kind of mission centric. And when you're hiring, like at the time, you were hiring a thousand people a month, or something like that. I mean, we can come back to that too. But the whole point was, why is it that so many people were drawn to, you know, a job, you know, for a company? I think a lot of people, you know, really felt something, you know, resonate with the mission. And going forward, my sense is, um, you know, we're going to want place that burden on every company we go work for, or you know, every organization we affiliate with. We want to see that it has purpose, it has meaning, and in some ways, it aligns with our own individual purpose and meaning, right? And yes. that, that is what we should be expecting going forward. It's so powerful, and I'd just be curious. I mean, do do you recall the moment that you shed that insecurity? Because I'm sure it was a process for you, and I'm sure many of the listeners, or maybe maybe they're becoming aware of this process that maybe they would like to go through. Would you know it, this would be enlightening for them, and maybe this would let their life you know shine and and open up in so many different ways. But do you remember that moment, or was that a process for you? Uh, wow, well, I, I I do. Um, I, I can remember a moment when I had my my first meaningful leadership role, and I was running a national business and I almost failed. No, I, I did fail. I my first year in that role was just a disaster. And um and it, you know, and and although I'd done all the right things to have a shot at that role, you know, um I didn't realize at the time that in this leadership role I was really insecure. I was doing all the things that had gotten me there but wouldn't get me to the next place. Um, I, I was doubling down on the things that, you know, in prior roles had made me feel secure. Um, and I needed to feel security because I was so insecure, right? And, and, and so I had massive blind spots, you know, um, and, 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 and I was so fortunate to have a, a coach and a mentor who said, Craig, come talk to me. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Um, and my ability to receive that um, was the difference in me being able to correct, self-correct in that role and then ultimately go on and have a few years where we had great success. But, but I'll tell you something about that moment, which is I had to be vulnerable and I had to you know, be able to see that I was screwing up and that I needed help. And so much of the way we are, are, are bred and trained as leaders, as producers, as contributors, is to, to not be vulnerable, to not admit you don't know something, to not show up as someone who's uncertain. Um, and, and in fact, we think every um, you know, opportunity we can is to kind of telegraph that I have the answer, that I'm confident, that I'm certain, that I am sure, when the reality is you're anything but that. And that is where the power comes in. And so for me, the power came in realizing um, the only way I'm going to grow, the only way I'm going to actually be better um, is one, if I'm vulnerable. And that's vulnerable in every type of relationship, vulnerable with your mentors, with your, your sponsors, vulnerable in your intimate relationships, vulnerable in your friendships, because then someone can see you for who you are and what you really need, and then they can really help you. But the other thing that really happens when you're vulnerable is you're actually a better leader because the people that you're trying to inspire and encourage and unlock their superpowers see you as someone they can connect with and can relate to. And when I realized it was okay to like not know, to like, you know, like, yeah, I feel like I'm an imposter. Um, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Like that was when I actually, I mean, two things happened. One, I actually really started to enjoy my job. I started to enjoy leading organizations. I felt more comfortable showing up as my authentic self. And through, I just felt more effective, right? Um, I was more effective with customers, with recruits, with any stakeholder, because I was showing up as someone, um, and, and it's not just about being honest, it's about being authentic, right? Which is, there's something really different about that. And, um, and even today, I, I am still working towards like pushing through muscle memory that really wants to pull you back into, I, I've got it figured out, I'm under control. To like, no, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm uncertain, I'm trying to figure this out, let's do this together. And that's the person you, you know, one, I think you want to be, but you want those types of people in your life, right? Um, and, and, and I'm so, so grateful for having almost, you know, had a really bad professional chapter in my career, but I was, you know, really fortunate and blessed to have someone who, you know, who coached me through that. 
And, and, and I think in that I've actually discovered, you know, my real power, which is, you know, leading with authenticity. I love to have that look behind the curtain because it's so powerful just to understand that, hey, you know what, you're not perfect. Like your entire bio was not perfectly crafted. You didn't have this grand vision and this plan. And, you know, you haven't always been on the top of the mountain, but, you know, sometimes you've fallen off. And then going back to understand that, hey, somebody has been in your corner to help you identify where, you know, where you're really falling short and where you've really got this quantum leap of an opportunity to lead other people. And I'm just such a a lover of leadership because of what we can do with other people for other people by inspiring them from within rather than pushing them as we were kind of talking about earlier instead of pushing we're pulling and, and maybe they're even being pulled by you know the alignment of their purpose and sometimes we can help people identify their purpose to a larger degree and it's like the abundance might we go back to the thing it's like the abundance mindset everybody wins yeah. as a result of this so thinking back you know your experiences as a ceo your experiences as a board member for many different global organizations you know what are some other sort of you know lessons that you've learned whether it's been from people that are in your corner or from experiences that you will continue to apply or are there any advice that you would give to your younger self and say hey Let's try to avoid that path. Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, when, I, when I think about my, my early self, if I could go back in time and, and, and coach him, it would be to coach him to um, have, you know, greater confidence to, you know, it, it, this is going to sound trite. I mean, like, you know, you know trust yourself, this and the other. But the, the reality is um, I, I think I spent so much time um, you know, thinking that everyone else had the right answer and, and studying everyone else's biographies and studying everyone else's roadmaps and, and not having the confidence to, to, to bet on me. Um, and and I, I think I would go back and say, you know, have some of that confidence to kind of lean into your own conviction sooner. Um, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time these, these days thinking about what brings me, you know, real happiness and I think a lot of my early years were not about, again, solving for happiness. It was solving for, again, like I need to be successful. I want to demonstrate that I'm achieving. And, and all of those things were very empty calories. It, whereas you couldn't have told me then, but if I could go back, I would say, trust me on this thing. What brings you happiness? Um, what, what, you know, when you check in with yourself, like when do you feel like energized? What are the things, you know, that, um, you know, you feel really passionate about and make more time for that? There's a framework um, that I oftentimes share with people, particularly when you're thinking about transitions in their career and life. And it's called JAIL, G-E-L. And just imagine kind of like this, this, you know, equilateral triangle. And at the top of, you know, kind of the, the triangle is a G and it stands for, you know, good. What are, what is it that, you know, Craig, Tyler, you're really, really good at. Like, what is your God-given talent? What is your superpower? Um, and, and take time to, and, and be honest, because that's a difficult thing. It's like, we want to be good at so many things. We want people to see us as being good at things. But like, no, really, what is it that you're really good at? It comes easy for you, hard for someone else. Then the next letter here is like the E. What is it that you really enjoy? What energizes you? What excites you? And, um, you know, when you think about, you get up in the morning, you, you, you would flip through an article in a magazine, you talk about this over dinner, like you, you just light up, right? Like, think about that. And then the L is like, what gives you the lifestyle you want? Risk reward, um, how much I wanna travel, how much I wanna be at home and have time for other things, blah, blah, blah. But like, make sure that this, this is an equilateral triangle and not an isosceles triangle, make sure it's not skewed. Because so often, and this is a lot of who my, I was earlier on, I wasn't thinking about who, what I was really good at. I was thinking like, I just graduated from Harvard Business School and everybody's going to go, you know, work on Wall Street or do private equity or do development investments. I want to be good at that. I want to demonstrate that I'm good at it. What I was really good at is I love sales. I love marketing. I love people. I love, but I wanted to be good at these other things. Then I think about what is it that you really enjoy? Um, and, 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 you know, not the thing that's cool to enjoy, but the thing you really enjoy. I've never been a golfer. I never played tennis, never did any of that stuff. Um, focus on the things you really enjoy and then a the lifestyle. So the, here's the way it works. If you do something that um, you're, you enjoy and it gives you a lifestyle, but you're not good at it, you are not going to be in the top 10%. You won't be a top performer. If you do something you're good at, 
uh, you're actually something you really enjoy, but it doesn't give you the lifestyle, you know, it doesn't compensate you well, it doesn't give you the life balance you want. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be resentful. I'm doing all this great stuff and I'm not spending time with my kids. I'm not, you know, making the money I want to make. Or if you're making the money you want to make, you have the lifestyle you want and you're really good at it, but it's not your passion, you're going to burn out. Mm. If I could go back to my earlier self, I'd say, Craig, focus on your jail. Focus on what you're good at, what you really, really enjoy, and what gives you the lifestyle you want. And don't worry about it. You're going to like, it's going to work out over time. You know, it's so powerful that you went there because that's the exact reason why this podcast is exactly the way it is. It's about personal growth. It's about personal mastery. It's about, you know, thinking about these concepts and applying them to your life because the only way you're going to be a great leader, the only way you're going to develop and design and execute on a vision is to think about, well, what, what really aligns with what you're good at? What really, really aligns with what excites you or you enjoy? And then thinking about that lifestyle so we can design that because look, you know, I don't know about you, Craig. I think we only have one of these life lives. I think <laughs> we might have more. Who knows? We'll see. But from what I understand, we only have one. So let's maximize it. And how can we invest in ourselves, which then we can elevate ourselves, we can elevate other people around us. And how exciting is that? And I would imagine as a result of this, you're just in so much more alignment, you can show up with those good vibes, as we were talking about earlier, because you know, you're in alignment with what you were meant to be doing. But then you can develop more meaningful relationships. Uh, I would imagine that relationships have been integral for you. I'm sure there's been many moments where you're having this conversation and you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm not doing something I'm good at. I'm not doing what I'm enjoying and I do not like my lifestyle. So talk to me a little bit about the role that relationships have played in your journey and if there's any really important or integral relationships that you point to. Yeah, I mean, in some ways we are the product of our relationships, right? I mean, we're the product of our environment and environment is informed and, and made real because of the connections we have with people. And, you know, and whether or not it's your first ring of Saturn, which is the people who are closest to you, they're orbiting you, they see you, they, they you know what I mean? Um, or the second or third, or it's, or, or even like acquaintances on LinkedIn, but they're all kind of like the spectrum of, of relationships and being mindful to all of them. A few things that have just been important to me, going back to a point I made earlier, Tyler, is like being um, not only authentically vulnerable, um, with, you know, you, you, your life partner, you know, your, your, your peers at work, your mentors, your mentees. Um, I have found um, that the most meaningful relationships that I've had in my life are the ones where um, they saw me. Um, and and, and they, they could tell you, Craig, you're not in your jail. This is, this is not playing to your strength. Or you're not showing up the way I know you, you really are. And um, you know, you seem off. What's what's going on? Is there something more there? And and like and, and they had permission and power in my life to speak to that, right? Because we had that history. Um, the most important relationships were were those who who challenged me, right? And I think about um, you know, my growth has come, you know, from situations, but they've oftentimes come because, you know, there are people around me um pushed me, nudged me in ways that I needed to. Um and, you know, I think to today, I mean, I, I am still very much um, just, you know, thinking about, you know, aunts and uncles I had when I grew up, when they said, Craig, you could do this. I know this environment doesn't look great, but I see potential in you. Teachers that I had when I was in high school who, you know, Craig, go downstairs. There's someone from MIT. I didn't even know what MIT was, but I want you to go talk to this counselor. I don't know. They saw something in me. I didn't even know what MIT was all the way to, you know, the first meaningful job I had was a, a woman who had been a mentor um, to me in, in an earlier profession, and we got to know each other as people. And later on in life, she she put my name in a hat for a division president gig. And, but it was because we had a, a real relationship with each other, and she knew me and felt comfortable vouching for me. So I think in, you know, if I had to sum it up, it's just to say that um, you know, relationships by definition are relational. They're not transactional, they're relational. And the real relationship comes from, again, being vulnerable, being authentic, and just um, connecting with people beyond, you know, kind of in, in your full self. Um, and, and those have been the most rewarding and powerful for me. And I try to also do that for others as well. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. 
This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. I think that's really powerful. One thing that you know has really resonated with me recently is uh, I've, I've been studying about transformational relationships rather than transactional, as you just mentioned. And I think when you look at a relationship as transformational, it's like this conversation may be one of the first conversations that you and I have, but who knows the possibilities? Who knows the introductions or the ideas that we may share with each other or you know the the introductions that we may make with each other? And it has nothing to do with money, but it has all to do with purpose, right? It has all to do with, you know, what we may navigate as a result of this. And I think that's really powerful. Instead of saying, hey, I'd love for you to do this deal with me. You know, it's it's more like, hey, if we ever do business together, great. If not, we may learn something from each other that can be tremendously more valuable than ever doing business. So I just find that to be so fascinating. And you mentioned now you're kind of paying it forward as well. And I'm sure there's still more integral relationships that you're finding in your world that you're seeing those opportunities and you're probably paying it forward. Is there anything that comes to mind in terms of, you know, others that you may have been that transformational who for yourself? Anything, anything that comes to mind? Uh, in, in terms of being able to kind of do that for others? Yeah. Oh, you know, that actually is my 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 favorite thing. My my favorite thing um, is, and I think my one of my superpowers is seeing the superpowers in others. Uh, and and I love uh, mentoring. I love coaching. I love working with others. And you know, and particularly you know, people when they're in places and moments of self doubt, when they're in kind of you know inflection points in their lives and careers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm now helping others who are kind of coming up in their executive paths and they're thinking about how to be more effective leaders. You know, I'm, you know, serving as an advisor to, in a few companies where I get a chance to build relationships with CEOs and, and founders. Um, and it feels good to say, I don't have all the answers, but here are two or three things that I've experienced that could be helpful for you. Um, and, and that's been really rewarding for me to like now be in a place where I do that. I spend as much time mentoring high school students as I do like executives. So the other thing too, is not realizing like to what I know and what I've learned is, is only applicable and valuable to, you know, a certain profile person. I am as excited about helping someone in, you know, the very early stages of life as I am about being a partner and, and, and thought, you know, kind of resource to someone who's really solving big, big things. So, um, that's been super exciting to me. I, I also had, you know, spent a lot of time, particularly since last summer, where we've had this kind of national conversation on race and racial equity. And, um, and of course, none of this is new for me, but for a lot of people who are just tuning into the news, you know, being able to like help people, um, you know, kind of grow and work through things that have nothing to do with work, but has everything to do with like, are you aware of, you know, who you are in your privilege or aware of this environment that others and just how do you encourage empathy? Um, and, and, and so I've also felt like a big part of my purpose and role is to um, make worlds that otherwise wouldn't be accessible to someone or they wouldn't have empathy. Let me, let me share with you the world of other people um, and, and some of the trials and tribulations that they're facing. So I, again, I, I, I feel very blessed to be able to do that with young people, executives, professionally, personally, 
and also to just around kind of societal, you know, kind of shifts. I, we're in a, a moment in time, Tyler, where, you know, people a hundred years will look back in this, the past year, the past two or three years will be a chapter in a book. It may very well be a history book. This is a moment in time where, you know, human race, human society is like transforming in, in, in so many ways. And we are like a witness to it. And the question is like, what is your role in this transformation? Are, are you are you helping to kind of like move us in, you know, forward in a way that's more positive, that's more inclusive, um, that's going to create more value for more people? Or, or are you, you know, resisting that or a blockage to that? And so again, just to kind of go back to your your, your question, um, I, I, I feel a lot of purpose and meaning in examining my role and making sure that you know we're we're moving things forward, um, whether it's coaching, mentoring, or just being a good friend. Oh my gosh, Craig! I, I'm literally I've got chills because you're talking about what is your role in this transformation of the human race right now. I mean, if you think about it, it's almost like an out of body experience to even consider that type of question. Because I could not agree more. I mean, we're, you know, there's inflection points, you know, many in many points throughout history, but there's no doubt about it. I mean, over the past year, a couple of years, especially, I mean, it's been amazing. And so the question is, and the reason why we're having this type of conversation, I believe, is because our work and the vehicles that we choose to invest in and the teams that we choose to lead, it's all about purpose. At the end of the day, it's about, you know, it's about people's lives, you know, and so how can we lead people with a greater sense of purpose so that they can evolve appropriately and push, you know, history forward. And I just, I just think it's so powerful that you went there and I really appreciate that you did. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about how you're investing in yourself, but before we get there as such a prolific leader and not only within the real estate industry, but also kind of cross discipline and being an innovator, being an innovative thinker and applying, you know, technology to real estate, as well as, you know, all the things that you've done to scale businesses and to lead large organizations globally. I mean, you know, talk to me about innovative thinking and how are you applying that? Because I know that it, you know, I'm sure in, in some ways it can be challenging. In some ways, you know, you meet failure. But talk to me about how are you continuing to foster innovative thinking, not only yourself, but also with your team? Great, great question. Um, you know, a, a lot of the growth that happened in our industry, and I'm speaking more around the commercial real estate side of it, um, in, in the first few decades of my career um, was through consolidation, right? I mean, you know, growth, and, and, and I mean growth in terms of corporate fortunes, growth in terms of people's personal careers, growth um, in terms of the influence of the industry largely came through the consolidation. Um, the demand side was consolidating corporate real estate Decision makers were starting to get more power. That function was being, you know, kind of centralized, um, you know, and uh, and then with that came kind of the consolidation of landlords and owners, consolidation of service providers, brokerage houses, and a lot of the growth. And even thinking about my own career early on, just came from being a beneficiary of that. You didn't have to be innovative. You didn't have to be really much better. You just had to be bigger. Um, and have more offices, more locations, more services, more whatever, fill in the blank. And a lot of the early game was just kind of growing through, you know, controlling more markets. Now growth is coming almost exclusively or largely by innovation. And it's certainly happening faster. Um, but a lot of what it takes to foster innovation um, are things that we've just not in many organizations been encouraged to do. You know, most, you know, business schools crank out managers who teach you how to be incrementally, like how, how to like get better, you know, and, 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 and how to, um, you know, do things a little bit, you know, better, but not to take big risks. And, and, you know, and innovation requires um, thinking about the world that could be, not the world that is, you know, I think incremental improvement is thinking about how to make this world a little bit better. Innovation is thinking about like a world that we haven't seen. But as a leader, as someone who wants to foster and encourage innovation, it requires that you, you know, you do that intentionally. How do you create safe space for people to or express new ideas, new concepts, to take, you know, uh, time and talent and treasure to go bet on some of those and run experiments? Um, you know, how uh, how how do we create uh, an environment where we pull out of kind of business as usual and start to like imagine, you know, diff different universes? And that requires, um, you know, kind of some intentionality, right? 
Um, when I think about a lot of the innovation that's been happening in our industry, it's been from people who did not grow up in our industry and who were able to envision a world that people who had been in real estate could not envision, right? Like, hey, we've seen this thing happen over in healthcare and financial services, or like, wow, look what's going on here at Amazon and e-commerce. Like, how could that impact the real estate world? And so one of the opportunities for us in the industry is to make sure that in our organizations, we're fostering um, a, a culture and an environment uh, that encourages and rewards, you know, kind of innovative thinking. Um, I, I was listening in on a, a session the other week and someone says, um, you know, innovation does not start with pre-bit. <laughs> right. You think about all of the key, you know, when you go ask for funding for something and people says, well, like prove that it's just going to, that's not the way innovation works. Right. Mm. Um, and so we have to be super careful that we don't double down into like, you know, continuous improvement where I need facts and data and, um, you know, and, and kind of prove it. The other thing too, is not everyone's going to figure out how to split an atom, right? Like not everyone's going to come up with the next killer app or the next cool thing. So innovation doesn't have to be, you know, like, how can I come up with a unicorn idea? Um, you might, and that would be awesome if you do, you may play a part in that. But I think also a key is being able to identify innovation, like, wow, that's a cool idea. That's, I get that, that's interesting, or embracing it. Like I, you know, in many organizations, you know, that I'm sure you and I've worked in, people are afraid of innovation, they're afraid of change. How does this threaten my identity and, and my way of life and my role and my standing, right? And so they don't embrace it. And then the other thing is getting to a place where you leverage it, right? So I've identified it. I think this is good. I'm going to embrace it. Now I want to leverage it. Let's deploy this, right? Which means like, hey, Sonny Walkman, let's figure out, let's start putting out an MP3 player. Yeah, it may cannibalize some of our core business, but this is the future. Um, and let's not be afraid to leverage it. And so I, I think of innovation that way. Um, and, and the good news is, you know, um, we're still in the early innings in the real estate space in terms of really seeing how innovation can transform new business models, the way we think about the built environment, um, services, um, and, um, and, and I'm just excited to, to be able to play a small role in encouraging more people to do that. No, and I love that you're you're involved in so many different organizations that are really on the forefront of that. Yeah, and I'm just curious, I mean, with your insight, I mean, where do you see this going? I mean, if you had to predict over the next five, 10 years, I'm sure innovation will continue to compound. It will continue to outpace our expectations. But where do you see, you know, this industry as a whole from a very high level going? The only thing I know 100% for sure is that I'm wrong. Right? <laughs> there you go. I like that. that. that that, that is the only thing that I know. Um, and, um, and, and which, which, which is not a cop out. It just means that like, what does it mean to be humble to a number of different possible outcomes? Um, you know, it's interesting just within, um, the, you know, the past few months, we've had a, you know, a decade's worth of, of change, right? Um, the way we consume content, the way we consume services, the way we consume goods, the way we, um, you know, work and manage the work of others, uh, the way we think about you're in my living room. So welcome to my living room. Beautiful, also, by the way. I love it. <laughs> this happens to also be my workspace now. Right. And like, so the role of spaces, like all of these things within a, that snap of a finger have changed. Right. In ways um, that if you're assuming this is the last time we're going to see change or this is the last iteration of change, you've missed the whole point of the exercise. So the question is, how can we as organizations, as leaders, um, you know, create, um, you know, um, an environment that imagines lots of different ways in which this innovation, this change, human behavior is going to continue to unfold and have organizations that are nimble and adaptive and responsible enough to take advantage of them. Um, and even if you can't produce you know, that innovation quickly see it and be a quick, fast second mover. Um, so I think, I think about that a lot. The, 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 there are a few things that I would love for real estate organizations to do more, whether you're an owner, developer, service provider, individual producer, contributor is, you know, and I think this is something I've seen from just watching tech companies and they do this really well is they're really customer centric. In our industry, we've always been very supply centric. We've always think about the building. Let me tell you about the space. And, you know, and, or the service and, and, and almost kind of like the demand was assumed, right? And now there's, there's a whole lot to be, just be gained from just studying and thinking about, you know, the consumer and their needs, their unmet needs, their problems, their challenges, their pains, and how can you solve that? So one being super customer centric and the other is being product centric, like, 
um, you know, and, and, th and these are just like muscles that we've never really had in our industry. We didn't have chief product officers. We didn't have, like we have chief growth officers. We have sales teams, but we didn't have people who were really thinking about the customer. And what's changing right now are the behaviors of people, of humans, of customers. And if you're not thinking about that, your ability to imagine these different scenarios, you ask me what's going to be different five years from 10 years from now, I said, I don't know. But the question is, what are the things that I need to do to be able to quickly see these changes and to like respond to them? Um, and, and that's something that I, I think we've not done enough of and we can do more of. Um, it's just getting to a place where we are in tune. It, the last thing I will just say as it relates to this is I'm a, co a quadrant over coordinate thinker. So I think about like, North Star, like I want to be ultimately in this quadrant, like th th this is my X and Y axis. I want to be somewhere in this quadrant. I know goodness is there um, versus like, I know this is the coordinate. The coordinate gets into like, you know, is, is, is very limiting. It's not flexible. You know, I got to draw a line between here to that coordinate. And the reality is that's not going to allow you to anticipate and respond to like, you know, all of the different scenarios that could be out there. So again, um, it's a different way of thinking. It's uncomfortable for many, but I think that's the way we've got to think going forward. That is extremely valuable. And I think about, you know, the, you know, the quadrant that you're going after is, hey, let's be customer centric. Let's be product centric. And let's think about the needs of our customers. Or, you know, it's like, instead of being focused on ourselves, let's focus on someone else. Let's serve someone else. And then perhaps the innovation will, of course, you know, be a part of that. And so let's apply appropriately. But I just think that's so valuable. Instead of, you know, limiting the possibilities, it's opening such an expansive amount of possibilities just by just changing the way of your thinking. And Craig, my goodness, uh, your, your mind is beautiful. And I love having the opportunity of diving into your mind. And, you know, I would imagine that, you know, that's not by accident, right? You continue to invest in yourself. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how are you continuing to, you know, go to the next level, not only with your own thinking, but how you're investing in your body, how you're investing in, you know, your habits and all of that good stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. And and we, too many of us take it for granted, right? Um, we, we don't put ourselves first. You know, we are kind of the remainder thought versus the beginning thought. And, and um, I have unfortunately later in life realized that I am so much better in everything else I do if I put myself first. And, and that's not being selfish. Um, that's actually being really abundant. I get up in the morning, I go to the gym every, every day. Um, and you know, and it's interesting when I'm running and when I'm working out, I'm actually, I'm generating kind of new thoughts and creative thinking, but I'm also releasing stress and pressures that it just will ultimately cloud me. My energy is much better during the day. Um, I'm making time to travel. You mentioned going uh, uh, diving. I, I'm next week, I'm, I'm going to go scuba diving. Um, and I make time for that because that is one of the ways in which like, I quiet my mind, I am still, I am present, I am reminded of my place in the universe, and you need all of that. And so when I show back up in a, in a board meeting or in a meeting, whatever it is, um, I'm so much better a person. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't always that way. I was like, I was overweight, I was stressed, I was pre-diabetic, I was just, you know, I was thinking that if I, if, if I worked hard enough, I will have time on the back end to go find balance, right? Like. Like once I crush it and I am successful, then I will make time for myself. Um, and, and, and it's so backwards. It is so, so backwards. And so I am, um, I'm really protective of my emotional space. Um, like, hey, you know, I, I don't want to be in organizations. I want to work with people where it's just a net drain on my emotional capacity, right? Like I want to be around positive people, positive thinking. I want to be in positive physical spaces. And I, I promise you that I am going to be so much of a friend, of an employee, of a leader, of an advisor, an investor, if, if my full self is showing up um, and I'm rested, I feel good, my self-esteem is high, and I've got good energy, which is the way we started our call. Absolutely. My goodness. This has been such a great conversation, Craig. I really, really appreciate you. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's all about putting yourself first so that when others come, you can give more to them so that everybody wins to such a higher degree. And my goodness, I'm telling you, we could have had this conversation for hours and hours and hours. But of course, 
we want to go out and innovate and change the world. And I know that's what you're doing. And so I want to get into a few questions as you've continued to, you know, invest in yourself, not only physically, mentally, but also intellectually. I'm just curious, uh, have there been two or three books that have been really impactful for you over the past few years? Uh, yeah, um, I just finished two books uh, last over the last two weeks, which are really good. Um, Scott Gulley's new book uh, uh, called uh, uh, Post Corona, um, which was great. It was a, an opportunity to just like imagine like all a lot of these different kind of outcomes that the world could see post Corona. And then Adam Grant just released a really really good book called Think Again. This is all about like, man, challenge your conventional wisdom, like think like a scientist, really, really good stuff. Some of my old time favorites, I'm, I'm a big fan of all of Gladwell's stuff, David and Goliath, Tipping Point. Um, and then, you know, Sapiens was one of my favorites, you've all like, man, just who am I but a speck in the grand scheme of like history of the world. See, I knew we were, um, you know, we, we were brothers because uh, those are some of my favorite books as well. I haven't read Post Corona or Think Again. I've heard great things. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is one of my favorite authors, but you know, Sapiens is an absolute game changer. That one I could not put down as the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. Absolutely. Loved it. I, I love it. I love it. What's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of what we've already talked about today? Um, I think I am doing it, um, a few ways. One, I, I just, I'm trying to be present, right? I'm, I want to be present here with you, present with myself, present with my body. Number two. Um, the mindset thinking is like, okay, um, I, I want to think about like the world of what's possible, what's potential, um, abundance. And just like life is, 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 is 10% what happens, but 90% how you think about it. So I'm like really trying to check in with like my thinking, you know, get yourself a therapist, like here is like a hundred percent get it there. Like, and, and so like leaning into like the work that I need to do. And then if, if I'm doing that right and being present, I'm thinking, making sure my mindset is in good place. Then, then I think um, it's easier for me to imagine my purpose and my role um, in it. And, and that will lead you to elevating, right? Like you're striving to kind of lean into your purpose and in your truth. And I'm saying this as though, as though I've done it. This is like what I'm trying to do. This is like exercise. This is the rhythm that I'm trying to like really get in to replace those old muscle memories with new muscle memories. And it's a work in progress. You know, I, I have not figured it out, but this is what I'm trying to do. No, and I, I'm with you. It's like, I, I appreciate when those type of questions are asked of me as well, because then I can re-anchor and recommit to that process as well, because it's not perfect, right? Neither of us are perfect and and it never will be. So thank you for that reminder. But Greg, what's the biggest way that you elevate other people around you? Um, I love, I've mentioned this to you before. I, I, I love just seeing other people's superpowers, encouraging them, naming it. Uh, you know, activating it like that to me. I, I watched last night. Um, I binge watched uh, Queen's Gambit, great, great show. And I found I found myself experiencing all this joy and conversion for just seeing this person realize their superpower and like lean into it. You know, it, it, but but the whole point is that was what I was feeling joy and it's like you go girl, like crush it. You know, and like and and I feel that way whenever I see you know someone you know, discovering their superpower. And, and like, I, I want to just keep doing that so that other people kind of elevate their own purpose and mission and truth in life. And man, maybe that's mine. Maybe that's my thing is just to unlock other people's superpowers. Man, it's just a prime example of how giving is better than receiving. Yeah. And who knows, maybe you even receive more as well as a result of that. But what a great reminder, Craig, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Is there any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? Oh, man, stay humble, stay hungry, keep learning. That's it. That's it. Drop the mic, my man. That's amazing. And uh, thank you so much, Craig. I just really appreciate you. Where's the best way for Elevate Nation to learn more about you and how you're changing the world? Hey, man, uh, stay, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not a big social media guy, so I don't post a lot, but I'm here, man. I'm in New York. Come visit me anytime. When we can do this safely, let's grab coffee. Let's have this podcast again. Let's check in and hold each other accountable to this, right? Absolutely. We will be in the living room uh, for round two. <laughs> so we'll, we'll bring the equipment. We'll make it happen. But Craig, man, you, you're amazing. I'm, I'm really excited about a long-term friendship, a relationship together. 
And I just want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to this episode. There's so much gold here. There's so much that you can apply. There's so much that you can lift other people up with, as well as lift yourself up, as well as be innovative, as well as drive towards a purpose, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all here on purpose and with purpose. So mm-hmm. let's make it happen, my friend. And at the end of the day, you know, it's not only re-listen to this show, but it's about share this with someone else, pay it forward. Because if you just keep it, yeah, you're going to get value, but you're going to get so much more when you give. And so at the end of the day, it's all about applying and taking massive action. So Craig, until next time, my friend, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. And thank you for this show. This is awesome. Look forward to it. Oh, my pleasure. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.